Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America this time. And I'm super excited. I have someone that is going to be the guest on our show today that I haven't actually talked to in probably like 20, more than 20 years. I've been living in China for 20 years, so I know I haven't spoken to her, I think, for about 20 years, but I'm super excited to have her and her husband on the podcast today. Hey, Millie, are you there? Oh, yes, we are here. Hello. Welcome to the Back to Jerusalem podcast. We are so excited about you being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. So we have you and Jason. And Millie, I met you because you went to a place that I still consider to be my home church. Uh, the pastor of that church became my spiritual father uh, in many ways. And, and I mean, uh, we have been close for over 20 years. We travel the world together. We spend a lot of time together and you're a part of that fellowship. It was a small fellowship. It was an intimate fellowship. So everybody knew everybody. Yes, very true. I, I still keep in touch with the pastor today uh, and his lovely wife. Uh, they were very warm and loving, and, and you just came and fit right in there. It, it was perfect, and my family adores you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't feel like I fit in just perfectly. You know, I uh, this, when I joined that church, it was the day before Google, and so um, I, I did what everybody else does. I was looking for a church in the area. I had just moved to Southern California, uh, based out of Camp Pendleton, and I was looking for a church. So I got a phone book, something that we don't even use anymore. And I went through there, and I'm not a denomination. Call back. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a part of a denomination. So I, you know, when I see like Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and Pentecostal, I'm like, okay, I'm none of those. So where do I go? And then there was one place that said full gospel. And I'm like, full gospel? That sounds like me. I'll go there. And so I walked in and Millie, if you remember that church in Vista, there was a door that came in from the side and it went right between the platform and the the congregation. So you went right in the middle. So if, yes. I, if you walk in, you cannot sneak out. So I walked in. No, you <laughs> So I walked in and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I fit in here. Um, but I stayed because I was too embarrassed to leave and the people just loved me in. And, uh, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the pastor and that became my family. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it, I, we've shared dinners together, meals together. I believe we had a thanks, no, not a Thanksgiving together, but my mother brought you a gift in your absence anyway. And she had a whole like thing spread. I, I don't know if she still has that gift to this day or <laughs> or if she actually finally got it to you, but we still talk about you um, all these years later. Yeah, so I'm so happy to hear from you again. I love that uh, whole experience at that church was amazing. 
I did have a Thanksgiving with the church family. Um, it was the first time oh, that I'd ever seen a deep fried turkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they got a bucket. They put it out in the back. They lit it up, filled it with grease, dunked the turkey in it, and it was delicious. I loved it. Yeah. So the reason why I asked you to come on, and I'm super excited about just sharing this with our audience, um, just because you and your husband, you guys do a podcast together. It is a video podcast, and um, I, I was I was interested in one of the podcasts that you did. I, I, I was super um, touched by it, and and I, I really felt that you guys came at an angle that you just don't hear on you know on TV sermons or YouTube sermons and it's not a mainstream idea uh, during I think it was November I, I don't know when you came out with the podcast but it was definitely focused on the November elections in the United States um, we, you know a lot of people that are listening to this podcast they're not from America they're not listening from America um, but you talked about uh, voting and, and, and then you took a, a position or at least started to explain a biblical view of voting, one in which is not really embraced by the conservative mainstream Christianity yeah. in the U.S. And I would love yeah. to just open it up and allow you to share about um, you and Jason both uh, about the, the, the biblical perspectives, at least in your view of voting. Yeah, so we we didn't, for me, my, my journey is, you know, I was a believer. Um, I served in the military for quite some time. I was a believer in government. I believed that, uh, you know, God established government, and I still do believe that. So I believed that my voting was partaking in upholding the moral structure of our community, right? By turning to the most moral candidate, I could help enforce uh, Christian-like laws over my community. That's that's what I believed. Mm. Uh, but as I began to study and look look at it from a biblical point of view, uh, what I began to learn is is we know people by their fruits, and our and and our nations, not just America, but the nations around the world, the fruits have not been positive and have not been godly. It's murder. It's war. It's dissent. And I started realizing that. God told us who to choose. He literally told us who to choose. He said, choose you this day, right? And he said, choose me. Because if we choose, and every time in the Bible someone chose someone else other than God, God let them choose that person. Every single time. He said, if you want to choose someone else other than me, go ahead. And when that person starts to persecute you, go ahead and call out to him and see if he can save you. Mm. But when you call on me, then, then I will save you, right? So we have decided to, instead of call on man, instead of lean on man, instead of lean on the structure of the nations that, that uh, around the world, we have chosen that we're just going to pick God and God alone. Yes. And uh, we ad absolutely advocate to be good citizens because we are to be loving and kind and a gentle people. Right. But we do not want to partake in things that produce evil and produce war and produce hate because our king... Yahshua, he never did that. He only brought love, and he never, he never said, uh, you know, went up, went up and voted for Rome. No. He, he, he was always like, no, nah, I'm about my father's business. Yes. So that is what the choice we have made to be. Right. Yeshua, Jesus was with the people. He spoke with the people. He didn't, you know, go up and knock on the doors and, and of the, the leaders and ask them and try and uh, bring them back to the Most High's kingdom. 
he was right there with the people and um, no no voting necessary for for Yeshua Jesus. Now, and you said something that uh, I didn't realize it until just now. It kind of goes in line with something that I have been talking about for the last couple of months, almost an epiphany that I had that our God is a God of freedom. And I know we can say that, right? And, and it sounds kind of generic, but when I started to think about freedoms, like freedom of speech, freedom, freedom of assembly, uh, uh, you said that choose you this day, going back to that Bible scripture, that our God allows us choice. We are free it, to make that choice. We're not free from the, 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 the consequences of our choice, but we're free to make that choice. And that's something the enemy doesn't offer right under the in, in the enemy's house, we become slaves and slaves don't get choices, but we are free mm-hmm. and, and we get to make choices. Uh, we have the, the freedom of speech that God has given us. We have the, we have these freedoms that, you know, go back to the founding documents of the United States. If you're an American listening to this, this podcast you'll be familiar with when we say founding documents but you said you know choose you this day that is a choice that each individual makes on who they will serve and uh, so I, I think that 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 has been speaking to me a lot uh, recently but let me let me now go a little bit deeper in what you guys are saying are you, are you saying that you don't vote that you don't believe in voting you don't believe in the democratic system what can you expand on that a little bit um, I, I grew up in America as a child at eight years old. I would look and I realize I, you know, what's around us. And I learn things, you know, as you grow up, you learn how um, there's homelessness around, there's um, orphans or foster children and, and, and how the bank systems run, how the insurances run, um, how the nation even takes care of widows. And um, they don't really like the most high wants. It's not done in love. I didn't see a structure of love in the American system. So therefore I had, I, I said, adults, is this what we're accepting for, for all these years? You know, like this is what is okay. We're gonna stick with the system, not try and fix it at all in any way. I immediately was out as a child. <laughs> as a child, I, I, and then as I was an adult, when you become of age to be able to vote, I said, what was the point? I do not care for um, Republican Party, Democratic, Libertarian, anything. I love all men. I love all people. But I, I just don't look see it as something that is helpful towards me. I look at it as voting for like a Pepsi or Coke. One tastes better or different than the other, but if they're both pretty much therapy carbonated drink. It's nothing that really brings me anything that I need. And I saw it as a dog and pony show, you know, smile and wave. And you can tell by the way they dress with the, oh, one has a red tie, one has a blue tie. It's still the same thing. I just could not, I, I guess I could, I, I see through this illusion, you understand? And I'm out. I, I, I say to people, God is my president and Yeshua Jesus is my vice president. I, I you know the reason I'm loving this discussion is because you are hitting at one of my idols. I mean, I don't do sports. I didn't grow up, you know, playing basketball and I and I and I and I don't like watching other grown men play sports. It's just not one of the things that I've ever been into really. <laughs> and so for me, the only, you know, I all through high school, I had a job, I worked, I went straight into the military. And and for me, politics 
is my sport and the election is my Super Bowl. Right. So, I mean, this is the, these are the things that I hold dear and I love, but I hear what you're saying. And I, I have to, I have to ask myself, um, you know, am I culturally attached to these notions, um, that are outside of biblical teaching? Or is there something about this structure, this activity, this political arena that brings glory to God? And you guys in your podcast gave two examples, the only two votes that, um, and, and I can't prove it wrong, that the only two votes that are held in the Bible, you point out King Saul and Barabbas. And in both, in both places, the people got a chance to vote. Uh, using their voice and mm-hmm. they chose wrong yeah yeah absolutely and and that's that's what we've we've kind of come to the conclusion is um and that's why i don't say that i'm the end-all be-all like i'm not saying that i'm i'm 100 percent right about voting uh because what i've learned from studying the bible is is men we need the most high like we are fools it specifically says that that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God, and democracy is a man-made system. Within our wisdom, we think that this is the best way to govern people. And and the Most High said, no, 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 pick me, choose me, and I will heal your lands. Yeah. Before Jesus ascended, he didn't say, pick a new person every four years to rule over you until I come back. He said, no, choose the Father, and when I come back, I will I will bless you because you chose me and I will be the one to heal your lands and, and to bring it about. And and I'm with you, brother. I was a, a political I, I taught classes on the importance of voting. And so I, I was a believer. But once I looked at the scriptures and I saw every time men made choices, they chose wrong and God let them. And then he let the consequences of their choice every time. So I'm going to choose God and God alone. And then when my government comes to oppress me, which is spoken about in the book of Revelations, we will be imprisoned by our government. We will be beheaded by our government. It will happen. And it is already happening all over the world with other governments. So I choose not government anymore. I choose the Most High and Him alone so that I still have the ability to cry out when I'm oppressed. Yes, we cry out to, um, I guess, our president to help us. And I don't believe in that. What can you do for me, man? Yeah, you're, you're not God. Man. You are not the one who walked on, you know, you are not uh, the one that created the heavens and the earth. What can you do for me that my God can't? It, it seems pointless to me for voting. And, and sometimes I also forgot to say that I hate how it tears families apart sometimes, voting. That to me shows it's a, a bad spirit. It, it tears uh, friends apart when it's time for voting season and people are unfriending each other, never talking to each other for decades. And, and it's, um, it's really sad. And I just want to be separate from that. You know, I feel like God can take care of me and it's true. And in the end, it's already in the Bible, what will happen. So why am I going to vote within a system that will decapitate me if I don't listen to its, its, um, orders? 
I know that there are, I know that there's going to be some people listening to this podcast and they're going to be skeptical and they're going to be like, well, you're removing yourself as a block from the process and it's going to allow evil politicians to take over. And the, the thing that I would just add to what you guys are saying is that, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been living in and working in communist countries uh, where people do not get a chance to vote. And I can remember on day one when I hit the ground in China, in my mind, even though I might not have expressed it in any way, in my mind, I know that there was a belief in me that, you know, this Jesus thing is really great, but what you might want to do first is overthrow your government. What you might want to do first is change the political leaders in your nation. Uh, at least march in the streets and protest if you're not going to overthrow them with arms. And if you're not going to march in the streets and protest, at least write an angry Facebook post, right? So I'm, I, there, 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 there were these ideas that I had in my mind and I wanted to come to China and show the poor, stupid Christian Chinese how to really follow after God. But after uh, some exposure and being with them, I started to realize that these guys don't give a rip about who's leading the country. They are focused on following after God and who's leading the country is persecuting them. But in that persecution, we've seen the largest revival in the history of man, where it has gone on for more than two decades and we're still seeing about 28 to 32,000 Chinese come to Christ every single 24 hours. And that is in a nation where conversion and preaching the gospel is illegal. That is in a nation where printing the Bible freely and handing it out is illegal. That is in a nation where voting is not allowed. That is in a nation where people cannot choose their leaders. And I and I I traveled to North Korea. I saw the same thing. I traveled to Iran. I saw the same thing. Started working in Somalia and Sudan, and I started to see the same thing. That these churches are following after Christ with this zealous heart, regardless of who is leading their nation, because yeah. for them it was about me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And and when people tell me all the time, they say, well. Our, our government's better than the other governments in the world, brother. I, I, I say, oh, so you think uh, you're giving the glory to yourself that I picked the person who gave me freedom. That's not how it works. The Most High gave us this freedom. The reason I can go to church every Sunday is not because I picked a president. It's because the Most High put me in a place and said, here, you will have freedom for a time. It is from him. It is not from man. So by removing myself, I don't feel like, oh, evil will take over because God is going to be in charge of who is going to take over. I'm not in charge of who runs nations. God is clear. I establish governments. I put kings in charge and they bear not the sword in vain because that's him. That's him. That's him putting his justice on us. And it is, you're, you're right, brother. You're right. In the history of the church, the persecuted church is a stronger church. And us in our country, America at least, we are fat, we are lazy, and we are slow. And when persecution hits us, we are not going to be ready because we, are, we have been trusting men to heal us. And when those men turn on us, which will happen, it is prophesied that they will turn on us, we're going to cry. 
and we're going to go, why, why, why would God let this happen? It's because God's been the one controlling it the whole time. And if you were serving him, you would have recognized that. So we don't give any glory of our freedom to our president or our, our declaration of independence. That doesn't give me a lick of freedom. The word of the most high gives us that freedom. I work together yes, with I a did. Chinese. Uh, go ahead, Millie. Oh, I just wanted to reiterate. Yes, it's, it's for me again. It does not matter how you vote. It is already written in the Bible that an antichrist will come and do what he or she or whatever do what they want to do. And it's either at that point choose God or choose the antichrist. So it's already you know I don't want it to be blamed on us that oh we're not voting so we're not helping we're the ones tearing down the community people have actually said this about us we're we're not. Well, we as individuals actually do help in, in many parts and in many ways in our community. There's so many different ways that you can help besides voting because we, we, we depend on the city to take care of, of, of um, the homeless and everything when we should be out there doing that. Anyway, so that's all I wanted to add to that, that it's already written. Yeah, I you know, as you were talking, um, I, I was thinking about, so I have been working together with a Chinese evangelist by the name of Brother Yun. Uh, people call him the heavenly man. He's an amazing guy. I've been working with him since the 90s. And uh, he came out of intense persecution in, in China. He was thrown in China's maximum security prison and miraculously walked out. And I was with him about a year ago in a pastor's conference. And we had pastors all around Kansas City that came together to ask him questions. And I remember when they were asking him, they said, you know, we are seeing an increase of persecution against Christians in America. You're coming from China. Can you tell us, you know, some ideas that we could use to prepare ourselves for the persecution, you know, against believers here in this country? And his answer, I thought, was was a, a, shocking for those that were listening. He said, you know, for us inside of China, we don't expect the government to do anything else other than persecute us. We already start our walk with Christ from the position of thinking that the, the government does not accept us, they do not like us, and they do not want us to even have life. So we are not disappointed when they persecute us. If you think that the government is on the side of God, then you might be disappointed when they start to persecute you and feel confused about like, you know, what's happening. And they said, yeah, but we've seen the government going and destroying churches and taking the crosses off of buildings. How do you feel about that? And he said, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because the cross was never supposed to be on that building. Christ said that I'm supposed right. to carry it. The, the responsibility is for me to carry the cross, not to allow myself some rest by putting it on a structure so that I don't have to carry it any longer. And they said, but you know, all of these buildings are being destroyed. Where are you guys going to fellowship? And he said, I would love to fellowship in mosques that so many Muslims come to Christ that now we have to convert these mosques into churches, that so many Buddhists come to Christ that their temples have to be converted into meeting place, places for believers. And I, I often think that, you know, there there is a part of me that feels indignant when I see persecution come from the government. Like, how dare you? That is not what our documents say. And I turn to a more secular, protective, 
you know, worldview than a Christian biblical worldview. And I dare say that I spend, and at times, especially around like end of October, right? I spend more time focusing on the advancement of a political agenda, you know, just before the election than the advancement of a b- biblical agenda. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a great that's a great point. Uh, I've actually read about that guy before. I, I won't tell you where because it's a, I've read in some secret circles, but uh, <laughs> I've read about that, that particular pastor in China you were you were talking about. But uh, but yeah, I mean I mean God is clear. He said when you go uh, into these nations, do not learn their ways. You know, and and when you vote in order to do that, you have to spend time, like you said, studying documents of men. Uh, 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 and using that as your source to guide you. You know, people use the Declaration of Independence and and all of our rights to guide who they pick as president instead of using the Bible. And it's just, we are, t- we are told to pick God. And when Paul was talking to the Romans and he said, you know, be good to the government, because that's the only verse any pastor ever quotes to me when they say I should vote, they say, well, Paul said, be good to the government. But it was Nero who was like the worst persecution or some of the worst that, that our, our people uh, have ever seen. I mean, murdering and killing. And, and, and so he wasn't saying the government is good. He was saying we be good during the persecution of bad governments no matter what. We have our own instructions no matter who is in charge of you. That will never change the Bible will always be our guide, and that's what we should lean on. Right. It, it, what, to prepare for um, the persecution, I guess, for the American side, I can only speak for right now. Uh, I would tell people, do what the Most High has asked of you to do thus far. If he asked you to go teach, preach, or, or help, whatever the ministry that he gave you in your spirit, in your soul, in your passion, Please do that. Be obedient to that because the persecution will come and you want the most high to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're not going to be able to do it in the future, at least in our country. In the future, our ministries will be cut short, will be imprisoned, will be censored. Uh, so we have to act now before it's too late and that stuff starts getting uh, taken from us and we have to start going underground. And I mean right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's uh, welcome to my world. I mean, that's the kind of world that I've been operating in for the last 20 years. And and I have to say that, believe it or not, I think that there is more freedom in that world. I know that it's not one in which I want my kids to grow up in, right? I don't want my family to live in fear. Uh, One of the reasons I joined the military was not out of hate for any government, not out of hate for any enemy, um, but for love of country, love of my my nation, and love, most importantly, of my family. And, uh, and so I wanted to protect my family and, you know, on an individual level, as well as on a larger level. But one of the things that I've seen in closed countries, if we use that word, uh, closed, um, one of the things that I've seen is an, an unexplainable freedom that believers have a joy that does not make any sense given their current circumstances. And I realize that the freedom that God gives us cannot be legislated in and it can't be legislated out. And that there's no government system that can give us the freedom of following in the footsteps of Christ. And no, there's no government that can take it away. 
And uh, mm -hmm. one, one of one of the amazing things that you have in that freedom is when the moment you realize that you have nothing to lose. I mean, you might have a good job. You might live in a great neighborhood. You might have a great 401k pension retirement plan, whatever. But at the end of the day, if those things don't mean a lot to you and they're taken from you, they're powerless. Mm -hmm. And you no longer right. fear what the enemy can do. I now fear being separated from Christ. And a yeah. good, comfortable environment can actually do that. Um, I, now, I, I, I kind of feel that comfort is, is a part of the daily diet of an apathetic church. And I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be apathetic. Yeah, that's a good one, man. Jeez, that, where'd you come up with that phrase? That was awesome. You like that? Yeah, it's like on, that. The, on the cuff. On the cuff. Uh, speaking a lot and, and, and crying. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that what you guys have done in your podcast is you've gotten me. I love I love thinking about God because here's the thing. I, I have come to the conclusion that there's so much about the Bible that I don't understand. So that's why I love when people challenge my current belief like you guys did in your podcast. Um, because there are, I have come to the conclusion that, you know, there are things that I believe about the Bible that I have come to those conclusions culturally. That even when I read the Bible, I read it culturally. So, for instance, I've read the Bible, you know, how many times? It wasn't until recently that I found out that there were not three wise men that came to visit Jesus. We don't know how many wise men. But every time I read that passage, I read into it what I think is there that doesn't actually exist. You know, I've I've seen the the Hollywood presentations of the the Ten Commandments given to Moses, and in my mind, Moses was by himself, and he was not there. All of the 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 people of Israel were there with him, witnessing God come down, and they were freaking out. They were shaking in their shoes. When there, I now have come to the belief, and I and I've shared this before in, in other podcasts, that there are things that I know that were taught to me by other believers, believers with good intentions. But what they taught me was not actually biblical. And what I understood was, was correctly understood by what they taught, but what they taught was wrongly taught. So I correctly understand a wrongful teaching. And even when I read the Bible, I read it with that lens where I'm interpreting scripture in a way that is culturally defined. And even when I'm reading, I'm not actually reading what I'm reading. I'm reading what I think I'm reading. Does that make sense? And so I don't even, yeah, I, I don't even know what I don't know because what I do know is so wrongly known that it's it's keeping me from knowing what I don't know. Uh, I know that gets confusing. I apologize if that sounds confusing at all, but my my point is is that now I would I love the word to cut both ways, to allow myself to be to 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 be humble enough before the word of God that I ask God, God, allow me to see this with virgin eyes for the first time. Allow me to submit myself and make myself a sacrifice that if this word cuts me, Allow it to cut me. Allow myself to be submitted to this word, whether it crushes my foundational beliefs or not. And I think what you yeah. guys brought up in this whole voting thing was was so important. Uh, for and I'm so glad you guys said yes to come onto our podcast because uh, it's something that this, what you guys have brought up is something that I am now newly wrestling with. 
Um, and it's because of your podcast. So I, I thank you for that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We, we just, you know, we're like you brother. Like, I, I don't think that I'm right. I don't think I have all the answers when I say things. Uh, I say it very matter of factly, but I absolutely, and like you, I allow people to challenge me with the word. And, um, that's what happened to me. So I, when I started studying the Bible, uh, you, you know, you think you're using hermeneutics, but you're not. Uh, and when I started studying the Bible from a Hebrew perspective and not in an American lens, that's how I came to this conclusion. And it absolutely crushed me. I, I worked in government for over 20 years, you know, so I was 100% a believer. And when I started reading the Bible as Hebrews and people of, of Israel that, that we are grafted into, that's when it started coming clear to me that that I am to choose God and, and him alone. And so it was by removing my lens, my cultural lens, you know, I, I grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day, you know, putting my hand on my heart and swearing to a flag every day. And you don't think that that doesn't affect your psyche growing up uh, after years and years and years of doing that? Of course it does. So it wasn't until I was able to remove that lens and read the words and let the words of the book speak for themselves that I was able to come to this uh, understanding. So I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, it's been a great time. Uh, go ahead, Millie. I was just going to say, I, I'm just so happy um, to, to hear that, you know, the, the word is sharp. It cuts, you know, it slices and dices, gets down to what's real. And uh, I think that the most high is, is very uh, pleased with your passion and desire for for him and it, and it does it does take time i believe i was my husband would go out and vote and come back with his sticker and everything and i i would just like laugh when he came in and and, and i'm not and forgive me to anyone who, who may be offended by this i'm so sorry uh, i really am i i, I just uh i don't know i just I never was a, a part of that, but it took some time for him to, to see and understand, like he said, and, and really study the word and see what was real truth and best for us. And we just want to be obedient to the most high and what he's called us to do. Yeah, I, I really think that there can be a challenge when we put our, our hope in government. And I uh, I have been weaned off of that, I think, more and more as I work with the persecuted church. I used to take a lot of solace in my American citizenship. Um, and these days, I, I really don't. I have shared with people that I can sit on an airplane and on my right side have somebody from my hometown that enjoys the same foods as me, that grew up with the same foods as me, that speaks the same language as me, that has the same cultural celebrations as me, that knows all the same streets of my childhood, you know, and I can have all of that connection. But on the other side, have someone from Pakistan who doesn't speak the same language, doesn't have the same culture, doesn't have the same foods that they enjoy, doesn't celebrate the same holidays. And yet, if you have that Pakistani believe in the Bible and the American from my hometown on the other side of me that looks like me, talks like me, acts like me, but does not believe in the Bible, I share more with that Pakistani than I do with the person from my hometown because my culture no longer comes from this world in that way that 
my my value system is so diametrically opposed to this world system and I no longer take refuge in my American passport but in the citizenship of the kingdom and I look forward to that and the more I fall in love with Christ the more this current world makes me sick the the the, the less I fit in and the more I become grieved at the injustices the more I become grieved at the suffering and the misery because I, I think that the more you identify with Christ, the less you identify with the, with the oppressors of this world. Yes, uh, peculiar people is, is the key words here. The Bible says, uh, be a peculiar person. So uh, if you know, you're going on with the crowd and everything, that's not exactly peculiar. It's not exactly pulled out, you know. Uh, and also, I love, I love that in the kingdom, there will be many people we meet from all over the world, and we'll be able to say, hey, brother, how did you all celebrate or praise the Lord in Pakistan? You know, how did you praise the Lord over in Egypt? How did you praise the Lord over in China? And I love that in, in um, the kingdom, we'll all get to just praise the Lord and learn, uh, you know, of different ways how we lift him up. You know, it's it's beautiful and it I, is I can't wait. it's it's different and sometimes we can identify being different with being wrong and so uh, for the for about six years I worked on putting together a Bible study series um, that it's a there's a nine-part video series and then there's a, a 61 day devotional and it also has a workbook that kind of goes along with that and what we did is we followed the history of the gospel as it started in Jerusalem and then went around the world so we followed it as it went from Jerusalem to Asia Minor into Africa into Europe around to the Americas into where it's at today which is in Asia and then we have this final frontier where the gospel has not yet gone between Jerusalem and China. And that final frontier is what we've been focusing on. But as I traveled around following the history of revival, I saw, you know, Chaldean Christians and Orthodox Christians and I, you know, the Coptic Christians in Egypt and the, we even worked with the Amish believers here in the U.S. and we worked with just so many different groups and oftentimes when you come across them, you see that they're so different that they just don't really understand the Bible. So you want them to kind of understand the Bible from your perspective so they can be right with God kind of thing, right? And I remember going to Egypt into they have this outside of Cairo is the largest church in all of Africa and the Middle East and it's in a cave or in the mountainside and I remember going there because I wanted to do the research on it and it was every uh uh, Christmas, three days before Christmas, the Coptic Christians fast for three days. And the reason they fast is to remember when God saved them. And this is a story I've never heard, but it transformed Egyptian history. And the the leader was a Muslim leader, and he said that, you know, if the Christians believed that they had the faith of a mustard seed, they can move the mountain. So either they didn't have the faith if they couldn't move it, or their God wasn't real if it didn't get moved. Either way, they were going to die. So the Christians came together and they fasted for three days following a homeless man that was blind in one eye and um, he told them to get on their knees and pray and they did in front of this Islamic ruler in the mountain got up lifted off the ground the armies of Egypt were able to see the sun come under the ground as the mountain moved 
uh, and then fell to the ground and the earth shook. It raised up again. It moved. It hit. The earth shook. It did it three times. And the Christians, the Coptic Christians were saved. And I went there to cover that story on video. I had my video guy with me and we spent some time with the, with the Christian leaders of that church. And, you know, they got the ceremonies. They got the dressing. They got the, the incense burning and the aromas. And it looks like a cult to me, right? Because I'm not familiar with it. I go to church in a pair of cargo shorts and a Columbia shirt. And, you know, my, my practice is a lot different. And I'm seeing them do all these things. I'm like, this looks a little Catholic. This looks a little, you know, who uh, heebie-jeebie kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm skeptical and I'm judgmental, but on the inside, not the outside, right? On the outside, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm nice. I'm Christian. And then uh, I remember walking across their stage and off to the left of the stage was a room that had a window uh, on their door and the door uh, I could see that it was absolutely packed all the way up to that window and there were metal um, tools that were up against that window and I stopped the pastor and I said pastor what's in this room and he goes oh every Tuesday we have a healing service and that room is full of all of the wheelchairs and crutches of those that come to the healing service, but when they leave, they don't need them anymore. So we throw them in there. We no longer have room in there. We don't know where to put them for next Tuesday. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? That's, I would have never guessed that. I thought that you guys were all, and I, and, and that's when I realized like what you just said, when we, uh, Millie, when we go to heaven, I think we're going to see so many believers that God is so big that it is impossible for us to see him from one vantage point that all, and when you want to talk about diversity, we have diversity in the kingdom that we need everybody to see God from these different views. And that's what I think that you guys did in your podcast is you brought up a different view and because it was different from the one that I held before I listened to it it's very easy for me to say oh you guys aren't listening to God because it doesn't agree with me it's different and when I listened to it longer and I compared it to what the Bible says and then I began to allow God to speak to me with with freedom as much freedom as I can humanly give because I don't think that I'm capable of giving complete freedom I would like to say that but I think I still somewhere deep inside of me maintain certain ideas and beliefs that not even God has yet to be able to get to but I know that he one day will but that video spoke directly to me and I'm so glad that you guys were able to come on and share with us yeah, amen. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. We just we just like to talk about God, so yeah. <laughs> hey, let, let me ask this really quick. Um, um, if people that are listening to this podcast love what you have to say or they want to know more about you, as because I know you guys minister as a couple, um, where can they find more information? Where can they listen to the video that you and I have been talking about? So we are on uh, the name of our, uh, it was given to us by the, the Lord through a dream. It's called The Art of Being. So if you go on YouTube and type in uh, all one word, don't don't put spaces, but the art of being, they can find us on YouTube. And we're also on soundcloud.com backslash the art of being. And SoundCloud is probably where we have most of our content. Uh, and that's where that's where we have the majority of our podcasts can be found there. Okay, I was going to let you go, but now you got me intrigued again. Just <laughs> as we go out and in, I would love to hear how did this come to you in a dream? 
it, it wasn't a dream. It was a, 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 a the most high speaking to me, actually. He had been calling me to do a channel for so long, and God made me so rebellious when he created uh, me here uh, <laughs> that uh, I even rebelled against that. I was like, a podcast, a, a blog, everyone has that. How common, God, how common. He made me so where I just can't fit in. I've missed out on trips around the world and because I said parents how common but now um I I couldn't fight it anymore the most high said I need you to start this podcast and um he said and I said well what to call it and for a whole week I was trying to figure out some creative or cool name and the most high said the art of being and I said the art of being what the art of being what and he didn't say anything so it's just the art of being it's how to exist in this world of, of Babylon, this Roman system, but with Elohim, with the Most High. How do we, how do I react to things versus how someone without the Most High would react to something? I love it. Love it. It, it. Thank you guys so much for being with us. If you guys are listening to this podcast and you want to listen to more of Jason and Millie, you can find them on The Art of Being. That's one, wor one word. Just keep it together. You can go onto YouTube or you can find them on SoundCloud. Uh, the Art of Being podcast. Thank you, Millie. Thank you, Jason. It was a real pleasure talking with both of you. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. We love you so much. Thank you for having us. God, Hallelujah. God bless you guys. Bless right. you. Bless you. And thank you guys for downloading another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of America. God bless. <laughs>